In case you're just tuning in for the first time, we are doing a study on peace, and specifically how you today and throughout this series can see the amount of felt peace, real felt peace that you're experiencing in your life go way up. And anxieties and fears and worries, things that are stealing your peace go, go way down. If you've missed the previous couple messages, they're, they're very much important to this whole series. And you can catch up on YouTube. Uh, the first key that we talked about was about believing, trusting in God. And then the second key we talked about last week was about contentment. Today is our third key, and the third key for unlocking peace in our life is the key of forgiveness. The key of forgiveness. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we dive in, it's picture time. It's picture time. So uh, on the screen you can see uh, these pictures, and you're like, wow, that dirt looks amazing. Right. So what you're looking at is I've taken a picture standing on the land where the ancient city of Basra once stood. Uh, and so th there's, Basra is the ancient capital of the land of Edom. And Edom, where's Edom? So Edom is on the east side of the land of, of oh, sorry, the east side of the Jordan River. And it's way to the south. Like you, the bottom of the Dead Sea is like the top of where Edom is. So it's like from the bottom of the Red Sea down south. It's, it's, it's pretty far down there. So the reason why I'm showing you this picture today is not because of its aesthetic beauty, although it's pretty stunning up there. You're very high in elevation, and then you go down through the wadi, right down to the, to the Rift Valley, to the Dead Sea, and the elevation drop is just incredible. But the reason why I'm showing you this picture is because it is by far the most likely location for the setting of the book of Job. This is the most likely location where, where, Job, where Job takes place. According to the Bible, he, Job is from the land of Uz, Uz, or maybe if you're Scottish, Use, Use, the land of Use, Use land. Uh, so he, he, he's from the land of Uz, and we know that according to Jeremiah 25 and Lamentations chapter 4, that Edom is part of the land of Uz. It's a very casual word for that kind of, that area out there. And so we know Edom is there, and we also know from the Septuagint, which is a very old version of the Bible from 200 years before Jesus and earlier, uh, which is a Greek translation of the, the original Hebrew. There's an extra paragraph at the end of Job. How reliable is it? Well, it's not in our English Bible, so it's definitely suspect. And, and yet it, it claims that Job is the grandson of Esau, so you got Jacob and Esau, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Esau, and so the, the grandson of Esau and the king of Edom. If he's the king of Edom, this is his, his land. Is it, is it true? Is that definitely where the story of Job takes place? You can't just say it's certain. I mean, this is a long time ago, but it is definitely the most likely location. It doesn't really matter at this point. The, the point is, is that when I'm there, and I, I'm taking this picture, when I'm there in in Basra, or what used to be Basra, uh, I, I'm thinking about the Job story. A and God at that time starts talking to me about, about a peace lesson that he had for me in, in this place. And so that's a peace lesson I want to share with you today. Now, I know most of you have been reading the book of Job for your Bible read-through recently, and, and yet for those who, who haven't been, or, or maybe aren't quite as familiar with it, it's very simple. The, the first two chapters of the book of Job uh, set up the whole story, and you basically have this God and Satan dialogue going on where God's like, have you considered my servant Job? He's, 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 got, he's blameless. He's blameless, and he's a man 
of integrity and, and he fears God. And, and Satan's like, yeah, but the only reason he fears you is basically because you've completely protected him and blessed him. Nothing bad has ever happened to him. If bad things were to happen to Job, then he would curse you. And God's like, he knows that that's not going to happen. But they, they kind of enter this contest of sorts. I mean, that's a weird way of saying it. But, but then uh, God allows Satan within certain limits and parameters to, to test his theory and to, uh, and to inflict pain in Job's life, at least for a season. And so what happens is, is terrible things happen to Job. And, and, and then, uh, so his kids are all killed in, in a single day. Uh, all of his wealth is either stolen by raiders or, or destroyed. Um, he, he ends up getting these, these boils all over his body, these painful boils that he's got to scrape and, and scrape his skin, and he's just in physical sickness and agony. The guy is miserable on the inside, miserable on the outside. His emotions are wrecked from the, from the tragedies that he's going through all in, in like a day, in a very short period of time. And it's in that context, that's just the first two chapters, and it's in that context, Job's three friends show up, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And, and they come along, and instead of comforting Job, as he's in desperate need of comforting, they, they wound him more. And, and, and they, they, they make his life even more miserable. And they start to try to convince him that the pain in his life and what's happening in his life, the tragedies in his life, the, the, the things that he's going through uh, are, are because he's offended God. And we know, though, from the first couple of chapters that that's not true. And Eliphaz, he, he, in chapter 15, Eliphaz basically says, look, Job, all of us old guys, all of the older people, all of us with wisdom know that this is true. That this is, this is coming from the wisdom of the age. Wicked people get what you've gotten, Job. Wicked people have what you've gotten. So all the wise agree with us. You must be secretly evil. You, you don't have the integrity that you claim to have. I mean, it's just like, kick him while he's down. It's evil. It's not even true. Now, Bildad drops something even worse in chapter 8. In, Bil in chapter 8, verse 4, uh, Bildad is, says, look, Job, the reason your children died, I mean, this might have been two weeks ago. It's not, not that long ago. Uh, the reason your children died it's because they were evil and God was mad and he struck them dead. I mean, it's like, it's not true. But it's just evil stuff that they're saying to Job. And, and, and Job is just in his suffering already. Zophar, he, he does the same thing. He describes Job's situation in chapter 20 and says, this is what, this is what, um, what evil people get. This is the wicked person's lot, is what he says. This is, and basically, what you've got is what wicked people get. You are not a godly man, as godly as you claim, and God is against you. It's not true. It's, it's evil. And, and just when Job needs his friends, just when he needs that, that encouragement, people to care for him and love him, instead his three friends are ripping him down and, and, and challenging his, his faith and his trust in God and, and, and even his his own character. That goes on back and forth for, for 24 chapters. After 24 chapters, then, then there is a, um, a few chapters with this guy named Elihu, which, who's a little bit younger. And then God and Job have a little bit of a chat. Really, it's mostly God and Job is like, oh dear. Uh, that's, that's going on. And then you get to the last chapter. And in chapter 42, the final chapter of the book, the thing that we tend to remember is that at the end of the story, Job is blessed. He's blessed, and he, and he receives twice as much as he ever lost in the second half of his life. So he receives twice as much. God restores him and blesses him. But what I want to make sure that we don't miss is that 
before God blesses Job, before God blesses Job, before Job breaks free of his awful season of evil, he has to forgive. He has to forgive his three friends. He has to forgive those friends who were brutal to him when life fell apart, who weren't there for them, actually who turned against him when he needed them most. And he had to forgive them before God started blessing him and restoring what was lost. Let me just read that just so, so we can see that for ourselves in chapter 42, verse 7. It says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Now take seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. Then my servant Job will pray for you. I will surely accept his prayer and not deal with you as your folly deserves, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Then Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Key word next. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. <clears throat> okay, there's two locks. There's two locks that the key of forgiveness needs to open, and, and we see them both here in this passage. Number one, the key of forgiving everyone everything. And we see that with Job and how he's forgiving his, his, two, his three friends here. And then we see the other, the other key of forgiveness, the other lock, is seeking forgiveness from everyone who you have wronged. And that's what God asks Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar to do. Go to Job, bring these sacrifices, seeking forgiveness from everyone you have wronged. Now, for this message, we're mostly going to talk about forgiving everyone of everything, but it's extremely important that if you've wronged someone, or if you've hurt someone, even if it was unintentional, if it was justifiable by the time, or it seemed okay, or if everybody was just kind of having fun, it was just a bit of banter, it, it doesn't have to be malicious at all. Basically, if someone out there is hurting because of something you did or said, intentional or unintentional, if, if someone has a wound out there, it's, it's time to go to them. It's time to go to them and seek forgiveness of everyone that, that you've wronged, if appropriate and possible. If appropriate, by appropriate, I mean, I mean maybe, they, maybe they don't know that you've sinned against them. And maybe you don't, for example, and sadly this happens to me all the, not all the time, but enough. Uh, people, someone will come up to me, and, and particularly at the evening service, actually, somebody will come up to me and, and they'll be like, oh man, Brian, I have, I have thoughts, so many bad thoughts about you over the years. I've, I've judged you in my heart. Now, okay, I can't see the stream right now, but I, I can just imagine someone's like, oh, Brian, I, I've judged you. <laughs> no, don't, don't throw that in the stream. Uh, what I'm saying is that's a bad, that's something not to do. That's something not to do. Uh, maybe, maybe if the person doesn't know, you don't need to go up and hurt them in order to get, confess your forgiveness. You don't have to say, oh man, I've, I've, I've thought all these bad things about you. Maybe, maybe what that person could do instead is confess their sins to God. God, I unfairly judged that person. I didn't know them. And then go and speak positively about them. Making it right. Making it right. See, when you're seeking forgiveness from someone else, you're not just asking for forgiveness. You're seeking to make things right. You're seeking to try and make things right. And, and what I mean by that, well, in the Old Testament, um, if, if you... 
if you sinned against someone, like maybe you, you, I don't know, you stole their goat or something like that. You take their goat and, and instead, of, instead of just saying, okay, I'm sorry I took your goat, you're supposed to make it right. And so what do you do? You maybe give them their goat back if you still have it or you get them a new goat of comparable value. But not just that. That's making it even. To make it right in the Old Testament was then to add 20% of the value. To whatever it was, plus 20%. That was what was about making things right. You see in the New Testament, you got Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus says, you know, if I've wronged anybody of anything, I will pay back four times. It, that's the heart behind it, right? That, that not just trying to get even, okay, here's, here's what I've wronged you of. It's, it's, it's going over the top to make things right. Uh, make things right. See, we're not just trying to get an apology or, or getting them to forgive us, like verbally. Our aim is to restore relationship. The ideal goal of forgiveness is restored relationship. Let's say that again. The, the ideal goal of forgiveness is restored relationship. Okay, saying you're sorry, good, step one. Um, making it right, plus 20% or whatever, step two. And then, ideally, as far as it is up to you, full restoration of the relationship. Now, as far as it's up to you, I, I want to make some disclaimer here. Because that other person has to want a restored relationship with you and be healthy enough to be in a right relationship with you. If they, if they haven't changed abusive behaviors that cause a breakdown in the relationship, they're not healthy enough to be in a right relationship with you. It's not up to you. That's, that's, that's where they're at. Or maybe they're still practicing these manipulative behaviors. That is not okay. Restored relationship is not always doable based on where they're at. But seeking forgiveness, at least it builds a platform where if they ever get healthy, right relationship can be, be built again. If they ever get healthy, if they're willing, if they're able. Okay. Seeking forgiveness from everyone you've wronged. I, I, I just encourage you, if, if you have wronged someone, uh, to make it right. To, to don't wait. Not wait any longer. Not wait any longer. Make it right. There's two locks. Seeking forgiveness from everyone you've wronged and forgiving everyone of everything. And that's, and that's what I want to talk about now for most of the rest of the time here. To forgive everyone of everything. Everything. Even and especially the absolutely worst, most hardest things for you to forgive. To forgive even the worst person, even the worst things. That's what we're called to do. Now, I, I noticed in my time of, in Israel when God wanted to do some new heart work in me, he went back through my, my, my people pains and he wanted to check on how I'm doing with the forgiveness thing. And I think that God does this before he takes us to new places, to new, new steps forward with him. He wants to see how we're doing in the area of forgiveness before we move forward. And so he would like see on, on past wounds and he'd be like, okay, Brian, how are you doing with this person? How do you feel toward this person? How is your forgiveness going with this particular person? And, and, he, and he wanted to check that I was maintaining, maintaining a place of forgiving someone that I, I'd already forgiven before. Actually forgiven several times before. You know, because sometimes forgiveness slips a little bit. 
And, and we, it's not just like, okay, saying that you're going to forgive someone, but it's, it's actually forgiving them and con- to continue month after month, year after year, walking in that place of forgiving that person that's, that's hurt you in the past. God is super dialed in when it comes to checking in our hearts and, and seeing how we're doing at maintaining that place of forgiveness because He loves us. And, and because he wants, to, he wants to make sure that there's no poisonous root, no, no bitter root. There's that every drop of infection, of soul infection from wounds gets, gets pulled out. He knows how toxic that can be. And because that's one of the big ways that God sees if we're, we're willing to trust him and obey his commands. We're going to make seven notes quickly here. Seven notes connected to Three of them are connected to why we forgive, why, we're, why we need to forgive. One of them is about how we're, we need to forgive. And then there's three of them that have to do with the enemy's tricks and, and lies on how he keeps us to, from, from forgiving people. So we're going we're gonna to hit those really quickly. First of all, why forgive? Why forgive? Because forgiveness is huge for our friendship with God. Forgiveness is huge for our friendship with God. As I said it before, forgiveness is about restored relationship. And our forgiving of everyone, of everything, is highly connected to our closeness with God. Jesus even kind of alludes to this when he's in the Sermon on the Mount and in chapter 5 of Matthew. And he talks about how like if you're going to the altar basically to worship God or to make things right with God. And, you, and you're on your way and you remember that somebody has something against you. If there's a broken relationship out there, some, maybe you need to seek forgiveness or be forgiven or, or whatever, uh, that you can leave your stuff at the altar, go and be reconciled, and then come back. Get your relationships right so that your relationship with God can be made right. When, when, when there's forgiveness issues or seeking forgiveness issues, when those things are broken, then, then, our, then our friendship with God is, is greatly impacted. If you're feeling disconnected from God, there are, if there are people out there who you need to make sure that you get things right with, you, you need to do that. You need to seek forgiveness. You need to seek forgiveness. And by the way, when I say, is there anyone out there that, that you need to forgive or seek forgiveness for, especially you need to forgive, um, I want to remind you that everyone includes spouses, everyone includes parents, Everyone includes brothers and sisters. Everyone includes kids. Uh, those, are all, those are all people. Those are all people too. Uh, maybe it even means yourself. Maybe you need to seek forgiveness. Uh, maybe you need to forgive yourself to help there be a restored reli- right relationship with God. We, we see in the Bible that, that, that Jesus highly connects, and the whole New Testament highly connects the need to forgive with, with what God has done for us. Because God's forgiven us of everything, then, then we need to forgive. And there's parables that Jesus tells about this. And, there, and there's strong words in, in connected to prayer about forgiving people of everything because God has forgiven us. One of, one of the most core truths that we need to anchor onto in order to, in order to, have, um, in order to have this why we forgive people, one of the most anchored truths is that I am forgiven. That God has forgiven me. That you are forgiven. If you have given your life to Jesus, you have been forgiven of everything. 
You've been forgiven of everything. In fact, in order to drive home this truth right now, if you're on the Church Online platform, what I want you to do is I want you to type in this powerful truth. I am forgiven of everything. I am forgiven of everything because I want you to make sure that you, you have expressed this truth that you are forgiven, that if you've given your life to Jesus, you're forgiven of everything. And again, if there's more people in your house that are sharing the same device, all of you type it in. I am forgiven of everything. I am forgiven of everything. I am forgiven of everything. The reason that's so important, the reason that's so important is because that's part of the why. That's why we forgive that person. That person that we don't want to forgive, the reason why we forgive them is because we've been forgiven. It's, it's why you forgive yourself. It's why you forgive yourself because you have been forgiven by God and now you need to forgive yourself. So many of you need to forgive yourself. So many of you need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself for what you've done. You, you need to forgive yourself for what you've allowed to have done. You need to forgive yourself for the things that just haunt you. You need to forgive yourself for that thing you said or that thing you did. You need to forgive yourself because you have been forgiven by God. And now you need to forgive everyone, everything, and you are part of that everyone group. When we don't seek forgiveness, and when we don't extend forgiveness to everyone, even if they don't ask for it, and if we don't forgive ourselves, there's a breakdown in our friendship with God. If you will not forgive yourself, there is, there is an active breakdown between you and God and your friendship with God. If you won't forgive that person, there's an active breakdown between you and your friendship with God. It's why we forgive. Now, another why we forgive, number two, because forgiveness allows healing for our souls. It allows healing for ourselves. There's a highly toxic soul poison going on, and it's not your own fault. It's not your own fault, but when someone hurts you or wounds you or wrongs you, let's say physically somebody slices you on the arm and, 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 and your arm starts to get infected, okay, it's not your fault that they sliced you in the arm. And you, you can, you, yeah, the, the, the deal is you have an infection now in your arm, and it's not your fault, but you need to deal with that really quickly so that it doesn't get worse and it doesn't cause more damage. The same is true with forgiving people. It's like your soul has been slashed, and that's, that can be what it feels like. Like your soul has been slashed, again, it's not your fault, but now you need to urgently deal with that so that your, your soul can be healed. Again, the longer that we go without forgiving people, the deeper that poison goes, the deeper that infection goes, and, and it, starts to, it starts to get worse and worse. There's a phrase out there that says, time heals all wounds. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure if that's true. I mean, sometimes time calms all wounds, or sometimes time hides wounds. Time, maybe time hides wounds, but, but I think only forgiveness heals wounds. I mean, maybe after a long period of time, you feel like it's easier to forgive someone, but actually the wound isn't healed until you forgive, until you forgive. Healing it takes place when we forgive. And because God loves you so much, he doesn't want any root of bitterness or, or any of that soul wound to destroy you on the inside, to rob you of peace and joy. He, because of that, he wonderfully commands us to do what we do not feel like doing. 
He commands us to do what we do not want to do. He commands us to forgive everyone of everything. Number two, forgiveness allows healing for our souls. Number three, forgiveness is, is an obedience issue. Forgiveness is an obedience issue, right? We're commanded straight out, forgive. Jesus says, in how, how, he's asked, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? No. Seventy times seven. It is a clear command of God to forgive. In fact, that forgiving, the fact that forgiving and seeking forgiveness is an obedience issue also ties it back into the first point, being a friendship with God issue. The longer we go without forgiving people or seeking forgiveness, the longer we're walking in disobedience to God. For some of you, there's a problem with your connection with God because you've not forgiven maybe a spouse or something. Or maybe there's a, a problem with your connection with God because you haven't forgiven a parent or a family member has wronged you. Maybe that person out there who betrayed your trust or, or, or yourself or whatever. Forgiving isn't just a helpful suggestion from God to you. Like that this would be good for you if you did that, although it would be good for you. It's a command. It's a command from God for the health of your soul and for your connection to Him. It's an obedience issue. Okay, so how? How? How do we forgive? Number four, uh, forgiveness is something that we intentionally choose to do or, or not to do. But forgiveness is something we intentionally choose to do. We, we, it's something that, that we choose. If forgiveness is not supposed to start with feeling all better towards a person and then forgiving them. In fact, if you wait, especially if, this, if, if what has happened to you is horrific, if you wait until you feel like forgiving them, you've probably waited way too long. That's a sign that you've waited way too long to forgive the person. It's supposed to work with, uh, you start by choosing to forgive a person. You, you, forgiving starts when you align your mind and your will to the will of God. You want to know what God's will is for your life? I think that there's a lot to that question, but one of the things that is entirely certain is it is God's will for you to forgive yourself. It is God's will for you to forgive even that person that you're like, there's no way. That is God's will for your life. And so we, we choose to agree with God's will, even though we don't feel in alignment with God's will, and we step forward in, in obedience. The path of forgiving everyone of everything begins with choosing to forgive them, and then choosing to continue to forgive them, and then choosing to continue, continue, choosing and continuing to choose to forgive them. And as long as it takes, until finally the, the poison from the pain lessons and, and it gets replaced by compassion understanding grace love things like that now now maybe there's never going to be a restored relationship and we've talked about that because maybe they've passed away or or it's they're just way too unhealthy for a good relationship there for that to be a good idea that's fine the ideal is restored relationship but that takes two to be healthy but you'll know when, you're, when you've actually fully forgiven someone, you'll know when that's taken place because the pain and the anger, the pain and the anger that you once felt will have been replaced with compassion. Compassion. You'll know when you've really forgiven someone when you stop reliving that wound over and over again. When you stop, stop reliving the wrong done to you by them and, and you've moved on in your heart. 
you've moved on and, and you have compassion for them. Now, I, I, I just want to be clear because there's so many wrong thoughts about forgiveness. I just want to be clear that, that cla- claiming to forgive someone and then stuffing the pain isn't what we're talking about when it comes to forgiveness. Somebody comes up to you and they say, would you please forgive me for this? And you're like, oh, ah, okay, I forgive you for this. And then, and then shove the pain down. That is actually not uh, what we're talking about today. That doesn't get the poison out. Hiding the pain, masking the pain, that doesn't get the poison out. Uh, what we want is for you to be free of the pain. For where you want, we want you to feel healed and be healed from the pain. The forgiveness process is more than just telling someone you forgive them. It is forgiving them and then forgiving them again and forgiving them again, choosing to forgive them over and over and over again, every day, every hour, every week, every year, every decade, as long as it takes, continuing to choose to forgive them until that pain is gone and compassion is, is real. And it's a process that takes a lot of time. And if you, need, if, you need, um, if you need help with that process, I completely understand. Some of you have lived through some very horrific things. And, and, and I encourage you, if you need counseling, to get counseling. If you want prayer ministry, to let us know. And, and, and we can do some prayer ministry and, and see healing come to your, those wounds, to those wounds. We choose to forgive, though. That first step is we don't wait for our, our feelings to want to forgive. We take that step forward and we choose to forgive with our mind, with our will, and then the feelings connected to the healing come later. Okay. Three tricks of the enemy. Three evil enemy tricks that, that he uses to keep us from forgiving. The first one is the evil promise. He, he convinces us to make an evil promise. And what is the evil promise? The evil promise is when we say something like, I will never forgive them for what they've done. That is an evil promise. Or maybe I will never forgive myself for what I've done. I'll never forgive myself for that. I'll never forgive them for that. That is an evil promise. And, and if you've said that or have that thought or made that declaration in one way or another, you have made an agreement. You have made an agreement to never obey God in that area of your life. And that's a big deal. You have made an agreement for the rest of your life, that bit of your life, that connected to that person or, or whatever, is, is going to be in alignment with the enemy and his will for your life, where God's will for your life and his stated will and his command for you is to forgive them of everything, to forgive yourself of everything. If you've made that commitment or, made, or declared those, those statements, if you're living by that, that is huge, and that needs to stop today. We need to cancel that evil promise, that evil vow, and, and we're going to work through that in just a moment here. But number one, enemy's trick to make us make a promise to not obey God. The second thing is a lie. The, the evil lie that it would be wrong for me to forgive them. There's a sense of, of morality here. Like they have done something so evil, it would be wrong for me to forgive them of that horrific abuse. Or be wrong for them to for, for me to forgive them of, of that traumatizing event or whatever. You feel it would be morally wrong to forgive them. And maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe they don't deserve to be forgiven. They, they probably don't deserve it. Forgiving isn't about them deserving it. 
And forgiving is not saying what they did was okay now. It's still not okay what they did. It's still not okay. We're not saying that it's okay, that it was okay, that it is okay, that it'll ever be okay. We're not saying that. What we are saying is, though, that we're not going to treat them as they deserve to be treated. We're not going to hold that against them anymore, that we are going to forgive them. And, and God, God says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, that if there's something to avenge or if there's something to repay, that he will do it. And you can anchor your life on that, that if, if, if repayment is needed, God will do it. But as for us, we need to forgive them and not buy that lie that it would be wrong. And thirdly, and, and, and finally, there's the evil lie that says, I can't forgive them today. We say, I, I can't forgive them today. P- people will come up to me and, they'll, and they'll, they'll say, Brian, I want you to pray, pray with me that, that I will be able to forgive this person. Okay, I, I know what they're thinking, but they've, they've also bought into a lie. They've bought, bought into the lie that says they can't forgive that person. No, no, no. They, they can forgive that person, but, but they've bought into this lie and they feel like they need God's help now for them to forgive this person. But that's not, that's not how it starts. It, it, because what they're wanting is they want their feelings to, to get in alignment with what they're about to try and do. They want, they, they want God to change their feelings before they walk in obedience to God. But what has to happen is, is we first need to choose obedience and we take that step forward and say, okay, I'm going to align my life with God's will and I'm going to choose to forgive And then as we step forward in obedience, then the Holy Spirit comes along and helps us to continue to walk forward in that way that we've chosen. But so many people want God's Spirit to do the work first so that we are liking the idea of forgiving first. That's often not how it works. First we choose to forgive, and then the Holy Spirit helps us. This is such a pervasive lie. That this idea that I can't forgive them today. That we need to crush it in, in our hearts. You, there's people that you might be thinking of or even maybe you're thinking of yourself. Maybe you're so uh, beating yourself up with, with this non, not forgiving yourself thing. And, and you've, you've kind of bought this lie that I can't forgive myself for this. I can't forgive myself for, for, for that. Or, or I can't forgive that person and you, because I don't, I, I, my, I'm so wounded. I'm so hurt. But that's a lie. And, and, and the Maybe we're not going to deal with the issue right now of, of choosing to forgive them, but I want you to know that you can forgive them today. And, and that is important. You can forgive yourself today. And, and in fact, right now, I want us to just start driving home this truth in our hearts that I can forgive them today. I can forgive myself today. I can forgive today. Go ahead and type that. Type that in the chat right now. Like, I can forgive them today. Maybe you won't choose to forgive them today. I encourage you to do that. But you can. And I want to make sure that we have truth in our hearts here. That I can forgive them today. I can forgive myself today. Maybe some of you are like, I need to type that. I need to type, I can forgive myself today. Or I need to type them both. I need to drive home these truths against this lie that I've let myself be duped by and believe. And, and And now I'm going to drive home this truth that I can forgive them today. I can. I can forgive them today. I'm not going to tell myself I can't. I'll I'll be truthful with myself. I can forgive them, but will I choose to? Even though I don't want to, maybe. Will I choose to, even though I don't feel like it? The thing is, you can. You You can. And I encourage you today to take that huge obedient step, that huge step towards peace in your heart by right now, and I'll help you in a moment, forgiving that person or forgiving yourself 
of what they've done to you and handing them over to Jesus. Okay, we're going to put up the picture again. The picture I started with, the picture of Basra, the, the, the possible, highly probable home of Job, the setting of the book of Job, the location where God asks Job to forgive those three guys who brutally hurt him when, when they needed him most, who, who turned against him, those guys who insulted his life, who insulted, it said evil things about his children, and who tore him, who tore him up when he was just verbally verbally and awfully. I want to remind you, looking at this picture, that it wasn't until after, it wasn't until after those friends, those three friends came and sought Job's forgiveness at the command of God that they were restored. And it wasn't until after Job prayed for his friends, it wasn't until after he asked for, for until after he forgave them that God poured out his double blessing on Job's life. Two questions. Who? Who do you need to go to in order to seek their forgiveness to make things right? Who? Who do you need to go to? And secondly, who? Who do you need to choose to forgive right now? Maybe you have a list of names. Maybe you're writing down a list of names. Myself, this other person. Oh yeah, this total, this holy, this other person. I'm not saying you want to forgive them right now, but who do you need to choose to forgive them? 